Welcome to Shift the Gravity, a podcast of Traders Point Christian Church where we talk about what it means to be followers of Jesus who shift the gravity of whatever room we walk into. Let's join the conversation. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We are in episode three of season two already. And uh, my name is Aaron Brocker, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm the lead pastor at Traders Point. Get the opportunity to host this podcast with Ryan Bramlett, who's out on paternity leave. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he and his wife had a beautiful baby girl. And so he's out right now, but I'm joined by two of my very good friends, Ann Wilson and Anthony Hunt. Um, Ann works with our students. Uh, Anthony works with our kids here at Traders Point. And uh, we are talking about that theme that we've been in throughout the whole season so far of influence. And in the last uh, podcast, I had the opportunity of sitting down doing the scariest interview I've ever done with my two teenage daughters. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about that dynamic. And I want to continue that conversation by talking with you guys about just influence in the next generation and what we see happening there. And so guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, it's really, absolutely. We've been looking forward to this for a while. So uh, why don't we uh, just, just tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, your role at the church, that sort of thing. So and why don't we go with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, my family and I have been at Trader's Point for nine years. Wow. And I know because I was pregnant with my son and he's nine. Mm. Um, so my husband, Kyle, he is a social studies teacher. And between the two of us, we've spent just a ton of time around young people in yeah. our careers. Um, he teaches juniors and seniors, so his snark matches them perfectly. He is. He's got a gift at that. Yeah. yeah. So they love him. <laughs> yeah. um, we have two kids, Keegan and Eliza. And um, I've been yeah here on staff in multiple different roles. I think I have nine name tags in my drawer. Uh, <laughs> wow. Done... The first five years here was in communications, both part-time and full-time, and then been in youth ministry here for four. So, Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Anthony, what about you, man? Yeah. So uh, we've got four girls at home uh, with a fifth on the way, me wow. and my wife, Emily. So uh, all girls, and our oldest is six. So five girls and six years for us. Uh, so we like to joke mm-hmm. a lot. I was like, I'm, I'm with kids at home. I'm with kids at work. Uh, you know, it's just like kids all the time. So it's a comfort zone. But uh, I mean, if you can imagine, my wife is an absolute superstar being, you know, the mother of uh, five girls in six years. It's wild. That's so, incredible. Yeah, that's really, really neat. So we're, we're excited for that. Baby is due in December. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Christmas time, baby. That'll be awesome. Wow. So I, uh, I've been uh, at Traders Point for about the same time uh, as Anne. Been on staff uh, since 2015 when we launched mm-hmm the North Campus when we started this right. multi-site thing. So I've yeah. uh, been in kids ever since. And uh, so only only a few name tags for me, not mm-hmm. nine. My goodness. Mine have always said kids. So Well, some of them are the uh, same job, but just, you know, one different word. Okay. A different, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got a few name tags. It's just a different era. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. now we are this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the next generation. Mm-hmm. So kids, students, um, I love this next generation. Mm-hmm. It's a generation that uh, I think at times maybe gets a little bit of a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, It's been said, I think we would probably agree with this, uh, maybe the hardest time to be growing up, maybe mm-hmm. in any generation, just mm-hmm. with lots of different factors around that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk a little bit about what uh, distinguishes this next generation. What are they known for by, what do you love about mm-hmm. this upcoming generation that you get to work with? Mm-hmm. I, I know I could go for the rest of our time here. I'll try to keep it brief of what I love about uh, just kids in general. It's it's really neat. Yeah, 
Kids are growing up in a world that has never existed before, and parents are parenting in a world that's mm-hmm. never existed before. So mm-hmm. we're both, you know, doing this together. Uh, and anyone mm-hmm. beyond parents too, investing in the life of a kid, it's like, wow, the world is just so different. So, yeah. um, but kids, in a lot of ways, have always been the same in that they're the best of humans. Uh, they're joyful. They're curious. They're uh, they they have a natural inclination toward wonder and awe. Um, I mean, think about the freedom that it would take to see a puddle and just jump in it, of not caring what other people are thinking, just living life with joyful abundance. Uh, I, I mean, in so many ways, I think that uh, adults always have more to learn from kids than kids mm. have to learn from adults because uh, just the way they live their life, the way they believe the best in others, they have a joyful optimism about the future. Um, and I, I think a lot about uh, Matthew 18, one of my favorite passages, when Jesus is talking about, he, he answers a question from the disciples of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he uses uh, a child who's nearby. And he says, unless you change, it's interesting that he uses that, word as well. Unless you change and become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, It's like, what is it about children, you know, that represents so much of what we are called to be as people. Um, Jesus points to humility specifically, but I think in a lot of ways, you know, becoming a better grown up looks a lot like becoming a better child, becoming mm. childlike, not childish, mm. but childlike in that it's just softer, more gentle, more kind, things like that. I love that. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. And I would say, I've heard you talk about this before, but like more open and vulnerable, Mm-hmm. really are childlike traits. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you touched on this um, just now, but I think the thing that I've heard about this generation is that there's not been as big of a shift since the shift from an agrarian to industrial, mm. and now it's industrial to digital. Mm-hmm. And so parents are parenting a generation. They do not know how to parent in the same ways as that, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think with that, though, the thing I, too, could talk about this for an hour of the things I love about young people and love serving them. I was in youth ministry right after college and then truthfully, like, missed it so much. I went back, Um, did not plan on that and then was like, I miss young people so badly. Mm -hmm. I love them because they're so innovative um, and same what you just shared Mm -hmm. of there's a vulnerability, especially around faith conversations that adults are just harder. Um, Mm -hmm. We're hard hearted. We have more baggage. We've have more stories of hurt and not that they don't, but there is an openness to faith conversations. I think that is underrated. Mm -hmm. I have a theory Mm -hmm. that I think when people say like, I'm afraid of teenagers or teenagers scare me, I think we're afraid of who we were as teenagers Mm -hmm. (laughs) or remember how hard that time in our lives was and put that on teenagers yeah. now of that time was really vulnerable and hard looking back. Mm. Um, but it also is one of the things that makes them so fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think too, they're just going to be really, really honest with you. Uh-huh. Uh, when there's trust there, they'll ask you questions that might take a year of a relationship in adulthood that with them might take like two days. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so tell me about why God would ever blank right. mm. or, why do you actually think the Bible is real? And mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, they have Google at their fingertips, so mm-hmm. they're not just going to take one sentence for an answer. It's like, mm-hmm. well, do you really believe that? Or I mean, they're just going to keep pushing. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't, you don't have to chip away at all the stuff that someone's saying in their body language. They're just going to be honest. Right. And mm-hmm. I love that about them. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I think that it's, it's, I've got, how old are your oldest? Six, six and nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like the teenage years, it's just like this, it is, it's this, this totally different era Mm -hmm. in parenting Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, 
I love just being able to like sit down around the table and to begin like processing ideas and it's it's with them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's always surprising at times whenever they'll share an insight and it sort of startles you. You know, you're like, I, I, wow, mm-hmm. like that's amazing that yeah. you have thought that or mm-hmm. you've been processing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think you're right. There's so much that we can learn uh, from them. And so... With that said, you know, I think that probably, you know, it's that old cliche, you know, I think every generation, you know, probably thought that they had it the toughest. And, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, we could kind of go back to the agrarian mm-hmm. societies. And I'm certainly glad I didn't have to walk to school, Same. you know, in the snow, mm-hmm. bo- uphill both ways, you know, all that kind of <laughs> those sentiments. But with uh, social media, mm-hmm. the digital age, I mean, our oldest was born in 2002. So mm-hmm. that was at the very infancy of things. Like he didn't necessarily have an iPad in his hands all the mm-hmm. time as a little kid. I do remember the very first like portable DVD player that we got. And we we're mm-hmm. like, hey, we can actually take DVDs on the mm-hmm. airplane with this. But now it's a little bit different where my youngest is 10. She has grown up in that and mm-hmm. she's always got an iPad in front of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, walking around the house constantly with mm-hmm. it. So what do you guys see in this in this digital era that we live, which come mm-hmm. with so many benefits, but what are the challenges, the pitfalls, mm-hmm. um, especially for parents today mm-hmm. who are just strong? I mean, I get it. Like, it's easy to kind of, you know, talk about, you know, well, the parent who just kind of puts an iPad in front of their kids is like, yeah. I get it. Like, at mm-hmm. times you're kind of like, I'm Especially stressed. post-COVID. Po- Most yeah. people are just trying to survive. Yeah. Survive mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, your kids wear you down. Like, mm-hmm. I want to watch the thing. I want to watch the thing. I want to Okay, mm-hmm. fine. You know? mm-hmm. And so what are some challenges around this generation? Yeah. How are we um, – what's coming out of this? I'm, I, at times I think about that. Like when today's kids and teens are young adults and middle-aged adults – what do we get from this? Like what, yeah. what's, what's, what's coming or what are the challenges that are in front of us? And which then present opportunities, I think for us as a church, yep. that's the ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just go either one of yeah. you. Yeah. Just a very small question. What is mm-hmm. next in the next 100 <laughs> years? Um, so I'll talk about the opportunities yeah. I see first mm-hmm. um, because I think that it's important when we talk about faith to recognize that they have been used to publishing their thoughts Mm. almost their entire lives. Mm. And so not even just faith spaces, education spaces. I mean, most spaces have been created with a consumer in mind and they are not, they are publishers. So Mm. they have been used to providing input, asking their own questions when they want um, Mm. almost their whole lives. And so as in youth ministry, we're often thinking about how can we make sure that faith spaces represent what they are expecting, which is a place that they can ask their questions mm. and provide input, not mm-hmm. only consume. Um, so I think that's a positive that they've been used to interacting and contributing. And mm-hmm. um, that is something I think that we can lean into so much in the next 10 years that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing with that is um, Fuller Youth Institute described um this generation is the most anxious, adaptive, and diverse. Mm. So the digital age has produced a ton of anxiety and adaptiveness. They've been disrupted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're a disruptive generation because they've been so disrupted. Mm-hmm. And they are the most diverse because they've had the world at their fingertips most of their lives. You know, for a lot of us, we only had friends that were on our block or were in our school. They have been able to see such a global picture mm-hmm. of life for better or worse, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that also means that they don't have the same boundaries that we do as far as who they can be friends with and who they can be in relationship mm-hmm. with. 
And I think all of those things present a lot of challenges, yeah. right? Of being able to share your opinion from the age of 11 without the benefit of a life of wisdom mm-hmm. has its challenges. Yeah. Um, that's not to be condescending. It's just really the truth. You know, I can learn so much from people years and years ahead of me. Same goes for every generation. Um, I'd say with diversity, I think the challenge for us as a church, I say this big C, is that they have been accustomed to that their whole lives. And so if they don't see that in a faith-based space, they're really confused by that. Um, And I think that that just presents a unique opportunity Mm -hmm. and also a reality of like, we have to be mindful of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then I think with anxiety, I think the biggest thing I would say is I just see it in terms of there's, I think now parents are like, okay, what is coming of this? I feel, I feel the most empathy for oldest Gen Z, which is like 25, I think, because I do think they were handed an iPad, you know, without mm-hmm. a lot of guidance. And I think parents now are like, okay, where is this going and how, what boundaries should we set up? And I think students are asking the same questions. Um, I heard Jenny Allen talk about this, where she talked about how before giving her teenagers social media, her and her husband, Zach would ask her teenagers to do, have you have you heard of this, yeah, a uh-huh. research paper about the impact of mental health on teenagers with social media. Wow. She said it has to be five pages. And if you do that and you still want to have social media, then we can together decide which ones you want to have. Mm-hmm. And some have and some mm-hmm. haven't. But that way it started the conversation around mental health. Now she had the benefit of having teenagers after people were like, I think this might be, you know, yeah. affecting us in negative ways. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I do see the anxiety for sure. Um, but I also think it presents some opportunities because they are very accustomed to talking about mental health in ways that no generation has been. So what would you say? Well, no doubt. I would just say, I mean, my teenagers can talk about anxiety and mental health way better than my parents Mm -hmm. can, Mm -hmm. or, you know, people that, or even I've still got a couple of grandparents that are alive. And it's, it's interesting. Like, even when you throw that subject out, and I'm talking, and I don't mean to stereotype everybody in this mm-hmm. age category, but anybody over the age of 60, and you just talk about anxiety, that term, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of them like don't fully know what to do with that. right? Mm-hmm. Because even, I mean, I'm 46. I don't really remember growing up talking a lot about anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about... I remember asking my mom when I was in the fifth grade, I was like, you know, cause she had me reading all these books on adolescence and puberty and all this kind of stuff. And I, and everybody kept talking about how it was like some of the hardest years of your life. And mm-hmm. I was like, what, what is so hard about it? You know, and I was in the fifth grade. And I remember asking my mom, I go, is, is the reason why you're so stressed out as a teenager? Cause the homework's really hard. And I remember she was like, well, that's part of it. And that was, that was her only answer. Yeah. And so I just didn't, but the, the word anxiety I yeah. don't remember hearing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. remember hearing peer pressure. I remember thinking like, you know, you're going to feel uncomfortable in your body, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. with as you're growing. So I think a lot of people in older generations, when we talk about, hey, I've got teenagers and they're really wrestling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they're they not able to be conversant in it. Mm-hmm. Or whereas my teenagers, man, they are. Yeah. Like they've got it mm-hmm. on that. So Anthony, what, what about you? Man? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm always so encouraged by the knowledge that mm-hmm. teenagers have about anxiety mm-hmm. um, and and other just mental health awareness in general. Being, being aware of your emotions and your mental state and uh, what's not good about it, what is good about it, leading the conversation in so many ways. I'm so encouraged. I've heard examples and stories that you've told uh, or that um, in the example that you gave of, hey, write the research paper and learn mm-hmm. about, you know, the the downsides of social media. And then let's mm-hmm. talk about if you can have it. I've heard uh, many times teenagers will come forward and say, here, here are the limits that I think would be healthy for me with mm-hmm. social media. And it's like, if that's not 
I mean, that's the goal of parenting mm-hmm. is heart transformation over behavior modification. There's a lot isn't it? of it's adults like, that need to have that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, me. absolutely. I do. Grandma, think, get off like, Facebook. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but seriously, they right do have some essay. social etiquette on social that adults don't have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's incredible. They're leading the way in, in a lot of ways. I think, um, yeah. So it's funny you ask like what's different or what's coming next in the digital world. I think there's so many things that are also timeless truths that can't be forgotten here too, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. in a generation ago, we would, uh, parents would just let their kids go outside and run around the neighborhood forever and still have no clue what's going on in their child's life versus mm-hmm. now it's like they just run rampant on the internet or on, in, the, in a digital world um, or on social media and the parent still has no idea what's going on in their life. Like that, the, both of those are equally problematic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I care way more about open communication. Does the child have a level of self-confidence and safety with their parent to come and talk to you about the things that they're experiencing? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an expert in what's coming next, um, but do you have mm-hmm. some sort of relational capital with your child where you can just sit with them and be present with them um, to take their concerns seriously instead of like, I've never heard of that thing. That must not be a big problem. We can be very dismissive, mm-hmm. uh, specifically of children's experiences, you know, in a digital world or not. Um, just like we don't, we don't validate their emotions and their feelings. Their feelings are real, even though we may not fully understand why they came to that feeling, um, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever that might be. So I think if I were to say, what is a parent's obligation? I would, I would say, wait, yes, we could go into here are the apps you need to know, or here's the, mm-hmm. here, here, here's the expertise, you, you're the competency for you to be a, you know, hold your own in a conversation about these things with your kids. Um, that can be th- overwhelming. That would be worthwhile, mm-hmm. but it's overwhelming for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, to, to, to give yourself a ton of grace, you don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to not stick your head in the sand either to say, well, is what it is. I'll never understand this stuff. You know, I, I didn't have this when I was a kid. So it's just, you know, what free range on whatever it might be. Um, but mm-hmm. how, how do we have a healthy, appropriate, uh, relationship with technology? And that's, if I could, if I could summarize too, a big, a big thing that parents can do specifically is like, what is the purpose of the technology you're using? Not, what are all the ins and outs of how it works? Um, I younger children specifically, I, uh, parents of younger children will, out, will ask us and, and on the kids team a lot of. Um, we'll hear a lot about screen time, like what's the appropriate num- number of minutes per week, you know? And and I'm like, yes, that's an important question to ask, but what's the purpose of the screen uh, or the purpose of the mm-hmm. uh, device that they're using? Um, is are they connecting socially with their friends? Because kids don't go to malls these days; they they mm-hmm. play video games, and that's how their friendships are uh, kindled. Mm-hmm. So, what's what's the purpose behind the technology? That that can become a, a much uh, a, mm-hmm. just a much more rich conversation then. 60 Mm -hmm. minutes only, you know, or whatever the time constraint might be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think you're hitting on something really key is that like parents don't need to be the expert. They don't need to be checked out. It's like figure out how to just lean in with your kids Mm -hmm. and let them talk. I think so much of parenting isn't necessary. Parenting is, it's shaping. It's not, um, downloading, you know, you're not just trying to download all of what you know into your kids, but it's really um, giving them a voice, letting Mm -hmm. them speak. And this is something that I've actually used with several of my kids, especially in adolescence Mm is, hey, you're developing some thoughts and some opinions and some perspectives on life, which is what we want for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But you won't have a fully developed worldview until maybe you're in your mid twenties. So I just want you to know that I just want to be here to help shape your worldview. I'm not going to download my worldview into you or Mm -hmm. anything like that. I just want to help shape it, which means that if you've got an opinion or perspective um, that 
you think might be different than mine. It's mm-hmm. safe for you to tell me, mm-hmm. and then I'm not gonna and then I'm not gonna freak out on you. Mm-hmm. Um, try not to freak out on you. Mm-hmm. And then okay, tell me why you came to that. What influenced you in that? Let's let's talk about that, mm-hmm. and just really be um, thoughtful and intentional to where they know. Like, hey, I can come to mom and dad and, yeah. and we can talk this out. I think that's so key. Yeah. As you guys are working with parents and the next generation and, you know, we're in, um, you know, we're doing ministry together in a local church and mm-hmm. COVID has been what it was. And as we're sort of reemerging and rebuilding out of COVID and the dust is sort of settling on that particular season in our world what's in front of you? Like what's really exciting you about kids ministry and student ministry? Mm-hmm. I know we had a great summer mm-hmm. uh, this year. If you want to talk at all mm-hmm. about any of the student trips, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love for you to share that. But just what are you seeing? Because uh, it feels like there's a lot of momentum right now mm-hmm. in both stu- kids mm-hmm. and students. And mm-hmm. I know that um, you guys are really doing an amazing job with that. So talk to me a little bit about just what we're seeing in the church. Uh, with this next generation? What are the opportunities now? We've had challenge, challenge, challenge. What are the opportunities coming out of the challenge? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to hear about the trips and beyond. Yeah, tell us. Well, thanks. I mean, I think that it does not go without saying, though, that kids and youth ministry can't be healthy healthy if it's not really supported by leadership. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know you know that, but it really does mean a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited about so much. I think that one of the things that... so. when I first graduated college, it was 2009. I'm gonna tell everyone exactly just how old I am. Just I was a just baby. a little young, 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 young child. Mm. And youth ministry then and youth ministry now are two completely different landscapes. And the reason I started thinking about youth ministry differently, honestly, was because I did it one way for so long and mm. then kept seeing young adults walk away from their faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, when I was in first in youth ministry, it was in the era of like, let's just keep all the teenagers in one side of the building. Nobody ever sees them. No one ever talks to them. Mm-hmm. And then when they graduate, they are going to know magically how to be a part of a church environment. The church environment we've told them is old and weird and gross. Like, <laughs> and, and it was. And, well, <laughs> you know, um, but... It's like, oh, that didn't work. And Mm -hmm. globally, the statistics were staggering of one in two young adults were walking away from their faith between 2010 and probably still Mm -hmm. number might be higher now. And so when I took some time off, um, when I became a mom, went part time, and that's when I started working in communications, I was just praying and dreaming of like, God, this isn't working and what could be Mm -hmm. thinking I was just going to be a part of it in some volunteer capacity. And then I just started reading every bit of research that would come out from Barna, from Fuller, and mm-hmm. over and over again, the things that mattered so much in a young person's faith were intergenerational worship, mm-hmm. serving, a, a student, in other words, discovering what they bring to the world and then living that, mm-hmm. and then an adult mentor that can speak truth into their lives like their parents would or in the absence of a parent, mm. and then peers. Mm. And so the youth group, youth ministry model was have a completely different service for them where they're away from the church their entire adolescence. And then somehow all of those things will, and that's not to dog anyone that's doing that still. I think mm-hmm. I still think there's really valuable things in that. And we can do what we've done because of the way that our church has approached weekend services even. But for us, what I'm most excited about is seeing that come to life. Yeah. Um, this past weekend, we launched 5 p.m. services again at a lot of our campuses and when we're recording this. And, you know, the purpose of students being in services wasn't because we just like couldn't figure out what to do with them. Yeah. It was because we want them to be a part of the church now because they can lead the way oh, in yeah. the ways that they 
worship they and do. they do mm-hmm. and the ways they worship and all of that. And so I'm most excited because I do feel like the future is just so bright. This generation wants to be a part of things now. They don't want to wait until they're 20. They mm-hmm. know that they can be a part of things now. This past weekend, um, one of the students who just became, or he's a graduated senior. He was a small group leader in the kids ministry for five years, mm. baptized one of the boys from his small group mm. who, when that boy came to faith said, I want my small group leader mm-hmm. to baptize me. And he was 19. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that to mm-hmm. me is like the church becoming integrated with kids and youth. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there's not specific environments for them still that that matters. Um, but not being so separated yeah. and that changing in yeah. church culture, I'm super excited about because I think the fruit will be so, so great long-term. So mm-hmm. what about you? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love, I love what you said about uh, kids, youth, and adults being integrated. So mm-hmm. that's really how we look at it uh, here at Trader's Point. And the way that we try to do church is like, can we communicate to one another? So so often it can accidentally happen where it's like, maybe we're well-intentioned, but kids ministry is done one way and then there's no real handoff mm-hmm. to youth. And so naturally you see a drop-off. When, mm-hmm. Whatever the age range is, mm-hmm. uh, there's a drop-off. And then from youth to adult, there's a drop-off. And so it's like, how do we, how do we create better transitions there? I think I think uh, in so many ways, I'm I'm really excited because um, just strategically, we I think everybody here in our community mm-hmm. understands whether it's about vocational ministry or just making disciples. One of the best things you, that you can do strategically and what you have to do is uh, invest in the lives of young people. The statistics uh, show over and over how 85 percent uh, of people who are Christians today became a Christian before the age of 14. And so it's like, okay, that's that says a lot about where we should invest our time and our resources. Um, our church, we exist to remove unnecessary barriers that keep people from Jesus. I'm becoming more and more convinced that so many of those unnecessary barriers started in childhood, or there's mm-hmm. some thread in an adult's life that something happened or didn't happen yeah. when they were a child, where it's like, man, we're, we're that whole adage of a, a pound of cure. How does it go? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. You know what I'm talking about there where it's like, I don't, but I'm excited that you introduced it. You were looking at me like, how does it go? Don't know. I started down the medical path. An ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. Great. Yeah. Sorry. The idea is uh, just a little bit of prevention, you know, is worth way more than (laughs) a lot of reactive fixing. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense. Thank you. Thank you. I will work Uh, that into my message this weekend. Please do. Thank you. No, but that's the idea. It's like, if we can prevent things from happening, prevent unnecessary barriers from being there. Yeah. Uh, how how much that, more yeah. can a can a teen flourish? Two things that, uh, that I'm that are that I'm really excited about. With all of that in mind, is the way that we're investing um, programmatically in mm-hmm. what kids learn. And so, yeah, talk about that. Very similarly, yeah. yeah, it's great. So I think a lot of people probably don't realize how intentional mm-hmm. you guys are with our kids ministry programming. Yeah, yeah, certainly. We, um, growing up, the model has always been, and uh, again, same thing, there's nothing inherently evil about the way children's ministry or Sunday schools or uh, things like that have always been done, but uh, it's it's grounded in, typically in a Bible story, mm-hmm. and then we uh, communicate the story to children, and um, we, we then ask them a bunch of questions to see if they retained the details of that story. So we tell the character, the plot, and it, it, and it like seems well-intentioned because kids learn stories all the time. Um, but you read some of the stories of the Bible and it's like, this seems as fictional as mm-hmm. any movie or a mm-hmm. uh, thing that I know isn't real. And this is mm-hmm. just another element there. And it's like what we miss so often is um, 
is, do we really just want kids to live, you know, grow up in a kid's ministry and just regurgitate Bible facts? Is that the goal? It's like, no, that's, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're noticing why are, why are teenagers statistically nationally leaving the church? It's like, well, they don't have a foundational knowledge of the character of God. Um, they don't have a safe space where they can wrestle and doubt, um, where they have uh, an adult, a healthy adult influence that's pouring into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and much of our model is based on that. So from a teaching standpoint, it really starts on, can we can we not necessarily f- make the foundation of our teaching a story where we say, okay, mm-hmm. here's the story of Noah's Ark and how many animals, kids, and let's draw pictures of animals, you know? And it's like, I don't know, same thing. I'm not meaning to, you and know. And we make application points that really aren't in the text. Right, right. Yeah, yeah a lot of times it's like, here's this incredible I true like story of the Bible, yeah. so make sure to share your toys. Which works or, until they <laughs> raise their like, hand about uh, Hagar. Like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, right, exactly. Right, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. E- even in studying for this message series we're in right now and Daniel and the lion's den, I mean, it, it was brought out that the unfortunate thing like I remember growing up there was a song called dare to be a Daniel Mm. dare to be a Daniel you know it's like what does that mean well so when you get thrown into a lion's den dare Uh to be a Daniel dare to be a Daniel um, when you get thrown into a fiery furnace so I don't know when those things are going to happen to me, but, but here's the unintentional thing that got communicated to us as kids is that if you're just faithful to God, he'll always bring you through, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. true to a certain sense, but, but to but a kid. But not in the way that a kid but would not in the way, that. But to yeah. a kid thinks, if I'm always faithful to God, he'll always give me what I want yep. or nothing bad will ever happen. Uh-huh. And so we end up like moralizing these stories and, and then it turns, it turns kids into... Um, religious people, mm-hmm. meaning if I do X, Y, and Z, God will come through for me in this, mm-hmm. um, or it turns them into full-grown Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was well-intentioned. Let's let's teach some kids some Bible stories because that'll mm-hmm. keep their attention. Mm-hmm. But then we sort of allegorize it mm-hmm. yeah. or just turn it into you know cartoon characters, and yeah. then then they're they're losing it because it's not embedded into the uh, overarching context of scripture. I love how you said it, the, mm-hmm. an overarching character of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would add to that too. We really underestimate what they are capable of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know this in kids ministry, I think you guys are just like, kids are capable of so much more. And the mm-hmm. same with students. And that's the big question was like, can students handle being in main service? That's, I mean, 30 minute mess, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they're in 45 minutes of calculus. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like they're uh-huh. reading Anne Frank, in seventh grade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's kind of a heavy story. So, yeah. and I don't mean that. I mean, I mean it in jest, but also it's like they can handle it. Yes. We need mm-hmm. to dignify mm-hmm. them and yes, what we put in front of them. Yeah. So I love that you guys have dignified kids in the way that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Content. It's like we, if we can instill the character of God into a, into a, uh, a child at a very young age, when they bump up against their you know, the, whatever their fiery furnace might be. Cause again, same thing. It's like, even that song, when you were singing it, I'm like the literal brain of a child is like, okay, when I'm, when I'm, when I go to the zoo and when someone tosses me over, like I'm ready to like fight the lions. It's like, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to abstractly think about that. So, um, but, uh, but that's, that's the key is like, if we can, if a child knows who God is, Mm -hmm. that, um, when there are storms in life, when there are questions, I I can, uh, we don't, 
we don't have to um, be experts as parents and as kids volunteers or whatever that might be where uh, could we just be a safe place for them to wrestle in doubt I love it it's one of the indicators of success with us because we always think a faith wrestled with is a faith owned mm-hmm. and so when mm-hmm. a child comes to us uh, or when a parent afterwards will be like my kid had so many questions about the Bible I'm like that's awesome <laughs> or like I'm, I'm just not sure or they're actually starting to doubt some things I'm yeah. like it sounds like they're worshiping God with all their mind you know yeah. it's like that's an amazing thing yeah. um, and it's like what do I say what do I say it's like oh be honest I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. uh, I love even that we're strategically teaching the book of Daniel you brought that up in both kids and adults environments yeah. so it's like this week mm-hmm. you know one of the best things I, I just th- still think you don't have to be an expert as a parent um, but if you're regularly engaging in church you know, it's like you'll have opportunities to point towards spiritual truths in difficult moments. And yeah. so if something difficult comes up in the life of a kid, well, both parents and kids are learning about Daniel. Is there something you can point to in, oh, it sounds a lot like something I recently heard at church. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about that. How did Daniel face it? What did you learn in your class? You know, what did I learn? You know, whatever. Yeah. And and it can just lead to a very rich conversation where you don't have to have all the answers and yeah. quite frankly, memorizing all the details of the story. I mean, um, yeah, it's like to allow them to just be authentic, authentically wrestle with their faith. It's, yeah. yeah, there's something about like, um, if you have an answer for everything, it usually shuts the conversation down uh-huh. pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've noticed that before. Like if, I, I would even say at times, and you obviously use your wisdom and discretion on this, anybody that's listening, but if somebody asks a question and you know the answer, uh, you don't always have to give it. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. kind of well, like- Jesus didn't. Exactly. Right? I, mean, I think he answered like, Three. Mm-hmm. With yeah, any he sense of clarity, he usually answer with a question. With a question, yeah. So it's kind of like, hey man, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And and let them journey with it, mm-hmm. uh, rather than like, no, it's that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Time for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and and it just sort of shuts down any sort of thinking. It feels it almost feels a little dogmatic, even if mm-hmm. it isn't. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't necessarily. Like, I man, I love what you said. Say that again about faith. A faith wrestled with is a faith owned. Yeah, yeah. you got it. Yep. And yeah. so um, that's going to go into my sermon too, Anthony. Yeah, there we go. Hey, like, you're going to be looking go. for it. Yeah. Well, and I would say, and what I'm excited mm-hmm. about too, to go back to your question, is I do feel like our leaders are so much better prepared um, for this generation than mm-hmm. they've ever been for kids and youth. Um, but mm-hmm. we, in the same vein, say to our leaders, like, contrary to popular belief, questions are not a sign of a like toxic faith. Like questions mm-hmm. are a sign of trust and it's not doubt that's toxic to faith, it's silence. Mm-hmm. And so like the number one thing we can give youth for a group environment, especially is an adult who is comfortable with their questions. Yeah. And I'd say the same is true mm-hmm. for parenting. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the things that students say when they walk you know, away from God or away from the church is they just repressed, 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 bottled up all these questions they had about God, which I mean, I don't know the actual evidence, but I'd say at least 70% of teenagers are wondering about if God is real and if he is, Mm -hmm. what is he even Mm -hmm. like? Mm -hmm. And if they have no space to process that until their mid twenties, when life is super hard, not that it's not hard as a young person, but they don't have anywhere to go. And they think, well, that place is for sure not going to be able to handle that. Or Mm -hmm. that person can't Mm -hmm. handle that because they just gave me a quick answer and that's it for them. Um, They need a space to wrestle out loud. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, even in like the collegiate setting, you know, if you're going to get a college degree, a master's, a doctorate, think about how many questions you end up asking during that period of time. Uh And the questions, what are they called? An education. Mm -hmm. So, and I always get real nervous too when I sit down with, uh, you know, young potential leaders who have no questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
because they're, they're just sort of assuming like they already know it all. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if they sit down and they've just got real genuine questions, that that's usually where some really, really good stuff goes mm-hmm. from that. Well, even going back to the one of the first things we said of um, if, if a kid especially is asking you a question, um, that is such a key indicator of health. Uh, to, to your you. point they of like silence, it's yeah. like, I'm so thankful. I'm mm-hmm. so honored when someone comes to me and shares anything with their life, a doubt about their faith, something hard that happened. And, and the fact that that open communication is there, that is the groundwork to have an authentic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love, I love what you said too, though. And, and um, just to, yeah, get really practical too. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about that when a kid asks me a question or when anyone asks me a question before I have the impulse to give the reason. I think of like even unbelieving adult, you know, uh, adults in my neighborhood. Hey, mm-hmm. what's this, you know, question about God? It's like, oh, I got to get this right. And I feel so nervous. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. stop and say, I don't know. It's a really good question. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Let me know a little bit more why you're asking. Because even yeah. that will be so revealing of, you know, um, we, we talk a lot about how the number one quality of a, um, of, I don't know about, you know, we say this a lot about volunteers and kids ministry because a big hesitancy is, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can lead children because I don't know enough about the Bible or I'm not an expert on child development. And it's like the number one quality of a kid's volunteer, it's not or even you might say for youth, it's like, I'm not cool enough to serve oh, with they teenagers. Oh, they don't need you to you know? be cool. And, like, and if you're not, do not attempt. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. They'll see yeah. right through it. You just uh, be your weird self. I, I, I did use the word lit with teens don't recently. Do that. that word's out now, I learned. But I was like, ah. Oh, if it's what, not natural, just let it be. That was be. the urge within me, though. I was like, I yeah. want to relate so much. I should have just been authentic, you know. Um, but, the, but the number one uh, quality is not Bible knowledge. It's not um, the cool factor. Mm-hmm. It's not any of these things. It's consistency. Mm. It's showing up regularly in a person's life and asking curious, genuine questions, not as a means of like teaching them a lesson or, or bringing your lecture. I'm um, just saying, I, I care enough about you. And, and mm. question marks are always better than periods in these conversations mm. too. Um, it's just, it's, it's just so valuable. That's mm. going to bring up something of, I'm just so qu- I could just think too, this here's, sorry for the rabbit trail here, but it's mm. like, um, if, if when one of my kids comes to me, I just I'm, I feel the instinct to give advice so often too. Maybe it's not a question about um, the Bible or what they're learning or their faith. It's just something they're wrestling with in life. I'm just really quick to give advice, and yeah. it's like, man, a question there would have been so much better because that would have unearthed maybe yeah. what they were feeling or what they experienced or why they were. It's just I get so much more information. Well, and I would say too, just to thinking thinking through a parent's lens, it's very understandable like why we get panicked and scared because we're like, I don't. I don't want my kid to not have faith or, you know, but I think part of that panic is maybe some unresolved journey we haven't done mm. mm-hmm. that we're panicking. Like, well, I don't know the answer to this. Do I even, yeah. I mean, my son oh, Keegan yeah. asks so many questions he has since he was three. And yesterday he just asked, um, like, why did God create people with like right-handed and left-handed like strength? Yeah. Um, and then the week before he was asking me like, well, how do we know that what we believe is true? Because he read um, Percy Jackson and like that Greek series. He's mm-hmm. like, they really believed in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you really believe in this, but like, how do you know you're right? You know, mm-hmm. and it was like mm-hmm. the internal, pa- I understand. Yeah. And so I'm not judgmental toward it, but yeah. it's like, if you can train yourself to be ready for questions that scare you, to train your body response to be, thank you so much for asking that and to not let your anxiety take over. Mm-hmm. That is the way to create a safe space yeah. for your kid and your teen. And then when you do mess up to apologize and uh, say, yeah. I really messed that up. And yeah. I know that communicated to you that I'm not safe and I'm really sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's big. I think because I, I was even thinking through that as you were talking about mm-hmm. that, I really resonate with what you're saying. Because I think as parents, 
uh, let's just say, you know, as uh, Christian parents raising the next mm-hmm. generation and they've got questions or they come home with something or they've got observations and that initially can be quite, like you said, like quite frightening. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, what if my child mm-hmm. uh, never comes to faith or abandons their faith mm-hmm. or chooses to live their life in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we wouldn't agree or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they ask a question and you you immediately, like, I found myself doing this, like almost like want to pounce on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, it's almost like instead of a genuine opportunity for to help them grow, you almost see it as a flame that mm-hmm. could burn the house down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I gotta answer that. And you snuff that out. And don't ask it again. Don't, don't, stop, yeah, stop you thinking. believe in God, it's fine. We all do. Have <laughs> <laughs> the corn. Yeah. Um, but so it's uh so I get that. And and then honestly, even it could reveal some of your own insecurities. Now, we have like this added layer of tension and that we're in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, cause I, you know, had my teenage daughters on the mm-hmm. previous podcast. And when I kind of threw that out there as an idea, I honestly thought they would say no. Mm-hmm. And I threw it out and they both said yes a little too quickly. <laughs> we and, got some things to say. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and definitely I think both of them had the perspective and they mm-hmm. would be, both of them, you know, somewhat, they're a lot like their mama. They're just like, hey, behind the scenes, I don't need mm-hmm. a lot of attention. So I was a little surprised at that, but I think they both felt like, hey, this is an opportunity for my voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. And 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 even just like, okay, hey, that's great. Like, hey, what you, it is not my response, is my responsibility to guide you and to love you. It's not my responsibility to um your salvation is not something for me to do yeah you know mm-hmm. i'm trying to cultivate you towards jesus but mm-hmm. it's not for me to do and and like you know if i can um i think i said this uh, in the daniel series this last week in as we're recording this um like if you can argue somebody into faith man they can be argued right back out of it mm-hmm. if you just make it a thing of debate and so what you want is a relationship and relationships mm-hmm. always come with questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like really mm-hmm. good friendships, your spouse, uh, family members, there's going to be ups and downs to that relationship, yeah. which makes it stronger. And I think mm-hmm. the same thing is true in our relationship with God, which is why, I mean, God is secure mm-hmm. in and of himself. He's not freaking out. He's not worried. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. love it when Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, hey, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, yeah. do you have to sell everything you have and give it to the poor to follow after Jesus? Like literally? No. Mm-hmm. The answer to that is no, because we know that from other things in scripture, mm-hmm. our salvation is not tied to material possessions and, and that sort of a thing. But what Jesus Jesus knew, the idols that had captured his heart, mm-hmm. and he was saying, hey, and the guy's like, man, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And Jesus let him walk away. Mm-hmm. Like there's just something about that that I think mm-hmm. just reveals just reveals his sense of security. Mm-hmm. And who knows what happened to that? I think we sort of assume, well, that rich young ruler died and went to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know? Right. Like mm-hmm. I doubt yeah. it. Like mm-hmm. I really think that there was probably some circling back that happened and uh, a mutual respect that was there uh, just through that, just letting that, the ups and the downs and the questions and the insecurities and the fears of relationship yeah. play out. I think that's mm-hmm. so huge even in parenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think as you're talking, I'm remembering from listening to that episode, one of the things that I can't remember the way you asked it, but something about like, what are young people most afraid of? Mm. And I think it was Campbell said, like, I'm afraid of the future or we're mm. afraid of the future. Mm. And, and it didn't surprise me that they were so willing to do that because I do think that's a marker of their generation. Like they are really ready to have those conversations that maybe we would even be a little bit more nervous about. Um, but as she said that it, it reminded me of, um, this book that our 
youth team is reading right now or just finished called Seen. It's like hmm. less than 100 pages. And it's all about how to heal despair and anxiety in kids and youth through the power of connection. Yeah. And all this science, it's a mixture of faith and science, the book is. It's by Chinway Williams and mm-hmm. Will Hutcherson. We can put it in the show notes. But um, I mean, basically points to all of those things, despair about the future, anxiety about the present, can be healed through the power of connection and a human relationship, wow. which is what it's been from the beginning of time. Right. But it's also... That shouldn't be very mind-blowing. It shouldn't be like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> but I think like in that yeah. sense, for this generation, connection is the new excellence. Mm-hmm. You know, for so mm-hmm. long, and not just church environments, you know, all environments, like mm-hmm. we've been creating them to be excellent. And I think that's still that's still valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. they're very snobby about a lot of things, as, <laughs> as am I. But I think they are looking for connection mm-hmm. and it is the way that they can experience God in ways that they can't outside of a faith community. You yeah. know, they can get almost anything from YouTube, mm-hmm. but connection is it's different. And yeah. human relationships can heal so much. Mm-hmm. Um which so much research point to. So it is, it's like silly that we ended that book and our whole team was like, this was incredible. (laughs) And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. they're saying things that are so obvious. Like if you show up in a relationship, if you help them build resilience, if you just listen, Mm -hmm. but even things like that are reminders of listening involves not dismissing things or not saying Mm -hmm. cliches Mm -hmm. or listening for that person instead of what you can say. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. And we want something like meatier than that. But that's also the harder thing, yeah. I think, because it mm-hmm. takes a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is something to be said too, though, of um, the what we were just noticing. Of it seems so obvious, but why? But why aren't we doing it? Like that's mm-hmm. my that's my question. Like mm-hmm. something's in the way. Um, mm-hmm. Is it that we're so busy and so hurried, and our schedules are so jam packed that uh, like do we actually prioritize connection? I think that's a really good self reflection mm-hmm. that I'll be thinking about after mm-hmm. this. Is when I look at my last week. Um, did did I have any level of intentionality in the everyday moments? Like, did mm-hmm. am I am I moving slow enough in life where I can actually stop and have a mm-hmm. spiritual based, gospel centered t- conversation yeah. about whatever's happening? Or yeah. is it like, yeah. I don't know. I could think about. I know Deuteronomy six talks about the everyday rhythms of life, instilling, mm-hmm. um, passing on the faith to to your children, repeating them again and again. You know, uh, taking hold of these commands wholeheartedly, and then mm-hmm. using the everyday moments to pass those on. Uh, when you get up, when you lie down, when you're at home, and when you're on the road. When I'm when I think about when I get up and lay down, for instance, it's like, what is my morning routine with my kids? What's my bedtime routine with my kids? Like, like bedtime routine. I'm exhausted at the end of the day, uh, and I'm prioritizing myself. Yeah. And so I'm like, let's get to bed as soon as possible. I don't have time for connection. Like I can actually see how it breaks down in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that reveals some things like parenting is so sanctifying in that way too, where it's like, man, isn't God so kind that he would give me a reminder every single, for, for us right now, I mean, we've got four kids, like I mentioned, six and under. So it's like bedtime, wow. you'd imagine how difficult that is. And yeah. um, But it's just a daily reminder of like, oh, I have to really fight for and prioritize mm-hmm. and probably say no to really good things so that mm-hmm. we can slow down enough to have those moments of connection in our day to day. Yeah, that's such a great observation and a great like segue into just like one last question I'll ask you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, what if uh, you know a parent right now listening to this and maybe their parents, little kids, trying to keep their head above water, mm-hmm. uh, maybe mm-hmm. teenagers. 
uh, or they've got grown kids. And there's mm-hmm. kind of like, man, I wish I would have read that scene book, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, or if that mm-hmm. would have been around, or I feel like I've really blown it, or we've gone through a divorce and we have a mixed household mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is just doubly challenging, or I don't get time with my kids as much as I would like. Um, what do you say to the parents who just really feel like they've blown it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe they feel like the opportunity has been lost? Like what, 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 what do we do there? Uh, well, I, what I would say is um, give yourself grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is truly never too late. And I'm not just saying that yeah. because um, it's hopeful and it's, you know, optimistic and, uh, you know, just as a reminder, it's like we, we are not perfect parents mm-hmm. um, and, and God never expected us to be. Like these are his children, if you yeah. look at it that way, where we're stewarding imperfectly and mm-hmm. we're, we're all being parented. I always think of that in like tough parenting moments, like everyone in the room, adults included, are, are being parented by our heavenly father in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, but give yourself grace. And so it goes beyond, yeah, just like spiritual cliches, because if when you look at brain science and neuroscience, uh, the brain can be rewired. Neuroplasticity tells us that the mm-hmm. brain is moldable and it's plastic and it can physically change with the experiences that we have. Like the brain can actually rewire itself no matter what you that your children have been through. And so it literally is never too late. Like mm-hmm. it, you're, you, we can always grow and, and get better. I even love this. There's one study uh, that showed that to instill a positive character trait in your child, you only have to get it right 30% of the time. Hmm. Now, you need to be Just consistent. You need to repeat it. It's worse than an F. It's like, <laughs> it's like F- half F- of an F, F you know? Yeah. It's like 30% of the time, that's it. But that does infer that you're doing it repeatedly and consistently, so that is important. But that's it. Like, you don't have to get it right every time, and your kid will pick up some things. Um, kids always learn more from observation than they do information. And so um, if they see you trying to grow, and then, and then I would just say this too, um, that no matter what, any of those scenarios that you just painted or any parent that's like, man, that's, I, I hear a lot when we do parenting talks. That's like, that's really great to hear. I wish I would have heard that 20 years ago. Um, and I always tell them, it's like right now, if you have grown children, even mm-hmm. uh, you can spend time with them. Like mm-hmm. start now, take yeah. a step of intentionality. Kids, no matter how old they are, spell love, T-I-M-E. Mm-hmm. So go spend quality time with them wherever they're at. Go ask them genuine, curious questions, mm-hmm. regardless of who they are and where they're at. Um, yeah. And just take a step. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, the only thing I would add, and I mean this in the most non-cheesy way, because I've really experienced it as an adult in my relationship with my adult parents Mm. is that God is the God of redemption Mm -hmm. and restoration. And so Mm -hmm. on this side of eternity, he does offer so many possibilities of restored relationship, but it does not come without usually some human effort. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would just, I would just say, I mean, number one, like give yourself a moment to grieve what you have lost Mm -hmm. and the time that you have lost with your kids that you would do something really differently but grieve it so that you don't continue to live it mm-hmm. in your relationship with them now mm-hmm. so that you can say, I really wish I would have done that different. And I'm mm-hmm. going to give that to you, God, and trust that you'll give it back to me in yeah. this new season and then pursue your kids. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that as an adult with both my parents where there were things that were really broken, but because our God is so good and so kind and through their pursuit and mine too, he did restore things that if you were just looking at it you know, from the outside, you'd be like, well, that mom and daughter relationship is just probably never going to get better, Mm. but it did. Mm -hmm. And it was years. I mean, it was a decade, but through the power of God's mercy, it did, but it didn't come without, in my case, um, and she would be okay with me sharing this, my mom grieving what was lost and then allowing us to build something new. And that's what I tell a grieving parent, especially like after a divorce or a Mm -hmm. really hard time is like, 
make sure you grieve, but then don't put that on your child anymore and walk into a new season that God can give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's gold. Man, that's so good, guys. Thank you so much for uh, showing up today Mm -hmm. and and sharing. This has been such a rich conversation and I really, really appreciate uh, both who you are and not just what you do. Mm -hmm. But uh, thank you for the contributions Mm -hmm. that you guys make in our church community and making a huge difference. And it's so much fun to run with you guys. So So fun. Yeah, well, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And uh, please... uh, Uh, Like, subscribe, comment, uh, share this podcast with friends and family. That helps us get the word out. And we will see you next time.